Recorded live. Why we're getting feedback? <laughs> Sorry, guys. You know, 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 you
Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Kalish's show. We are sitting outside today, and you can hear the locusts and the neighbors, but it's I love being outside, so this is cool for me. First time we've ever done this outside. So, oh, no, where did Joe Snow go? He's one of my call-outs. I have to, hopefully he'll come back in here. It's hard to listen on Android. I wish they had better stuff for Android. But we are going to switch platforms as of next week, so hopefully you can hear and see better. Okay, so, you know, the show always starts with a Kalicious rant. Don't you love people who are arrogant, not just themselves, not just for themselves, but their kids too? Do you ever meet people like that who think their kids are above all and make it almost to where it's a competition with you and their kids? I know people that way. I don't know how or why I know people like that, but I do. And it really infuriates me. Like I was talking about Charlize and her birthday, and I won't mention names, but the people I was with went on and on about this girl that was sitting there. It's always about the same girl being the most beautiful girl. And it wasn't about this person. It was I was excited for Charlize because if you know me, I love her, and it was a big deal. So anyways, I just don't like that, you know. You gave birth to your kids, so you you think they're the best. That's fine. But don't turn this whole evening of fun into something that's always about that person because arrogance sucks, especially when it's all you can live and breathe. Uh, Do you guys ever have days, like today I had a brain day, is what I call it, and it's a day where my brain doesn't know how to shut off. That is what I had today, and and of all days, I had to be on a show day. So that was, it was just bad timing. You do all the time. It's horrible. So every week we do Kalisha's shout-outs of the week, and today we have Joe Snow. He's out there. He knows who he is. He was on Now Live. And that was my first home. And I'm assuming it's his. He's out there. He's listening. It's, it's, Now Live was, had everything that we needed to broadcast, and it had everything perfectly set up. So everything, <laughs> nothing can compare to that. Nothing. And it's funny because Joe Snow reached out to me the other day and said, hey, we were both on Now Live. How come we never ran into each other? And I'm like, right? Well, what was your nickname? And he tells me, and I said, nope, I don't recall. But we were in separate shows. But, you know, Now Live was a pretty big platform. And it, we just didn't run into each other a whole lot. <laughs> now Live in the house. Oh, no, Susie left. Um, so maybe this wasn't a good idea to do this outside because everybody I know was driving by and honking and waving okay so (laughs) sorry so I have to give him a shout out because we he reached out to me and we actually connected hold on say the K-Wishes show rocks scream it really loud (laughs) scream it (laughs) see here comes one of my friends scream the K-Wishes show rocks we are live on air right here Say it. What are you waiting for? Christmas? Say the Kalisha Show rocks, yo. Oh, my gosh. I have any new friends. <laughs> Quit leaving the chat. What is going on out there? Say the Kalisha Show rocks. Do you want me to spell it? Say it. Say the Kalisha Show no, rocks. No, every day. 
Just today. Not so today. <laughs> Just today. <laughs> Say hello. Hello. <laughs> this is my friend Nate. What's up, word? Word. I come outside and all the people come out. <laughs> all the weirdos. <laughs> right? All your friends are weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to give Joe Snow. Say hi, Joe Snow. Hi, Joe Snow. We have to give him a shout-out for the week. And uh, I'm glad we connected because we, we have a lot of fun talking to each other, and he's he's a really awesome guy. So, welcome to the show. I've popped your Kalicious Cherry. If you know we've been around each other for a really long time, this is your first show. I've come a long way since then, anyway. Okay, so, you know, it's all about the Olympics right now. Some weird stuff they used to do in the Olympics, but don't do anymore. I thought I'd share that with you. So, it would have been against all animal rights activists, and it would have been their worst nightmare. Someone shooting BB guns? Yes. Hey, no, no. Go get them. Go. Take care of my light work. I'm tired. Uh, okay, bye. Love you. Hey, let's just rock. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they used to shoot at birds. That used to be an Olympic sport. They would shoot at, there was about oh, 300 birds were reportedly killed. But now they shoot, of course, at clay death. I don't even know if they do that at every single one of them. But also, Paris Muddy... River scene hosted a 200-meter obstacle swimming race for the first and only time in the 1900 games. Swimmers used to climb over a pole and row boats before swimming, as well as finishing first in the 200-meter freestyle. Now,
I don't know why we're getting feedback. Hang on a second, guys. Can you hear me now? Test, test, test. I don't know what's going on. Give me a second, guys. It doesn't usually do this. There's kids behind me shooting BB guns. Yay, I'm back! I don't know why it does that. Can you guys hear me okay? Ever since I updated this... No, it's not crickets. <laughs> it's locusts. Um, ever since I updated my computer, all my settings are completely changed, and I didn't think about it. Yeah, it makes the show interesting. We're in a live feed, because we are. But there's kids shooting baby guns behind my head. It's making me quite nervous. Okay. <clears throat> Let me get some uh, music going for just a second. I'll be right back with you guys for a minute. Okay, guys. Okay, I have to get going because we only have 45 minutes. Okay, so I don't know where it cut us off. Thank you for letting me know that it did that. I don't know why it did that. I appreciate you telling me. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes she talks you just <laughs> just acts up. Seriously, stupid. No. So now my other laptop wants to do it. This Windows 10 is seriously extremely difficult for me to learn. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time. So I was talking about weird signs at the Olympics. Now, they have bathroom signs that there's a figure standing over a toilet, and it's just, it's telling you you can't fish in the toilet. I'm not entirely sure what kind of toilets they have, why they'd be fishing in them, but that's what it says. Okay, so another bathroom one, uh, they have these signs that shows dogs um, <laughs> hovering over the toilet, so it's, and there's a little X through it. So your dog can't pee in the toilet, so it's letting you know that. Um, no vomiting. They show a vomiting. A guy hunched down like he's vomiting. So you can't vomit in the toilet, but you can, you know, there's no sign saying you can't vomit on the floor, so that might be okay. And squatting with your feet on the seat, so you can't sit like that. Okay, so 
speaking of toilets, you guys, this I had to share this because this is some creative men's and women's signs, not Olympic related, but I had to share these with you. There's one sign that shows a guy peeking over the girl's stall and the guy on the left. So you go left for the guy, of course, and then the girl. So that was their way of saying this is the guys in the girl's bathroom. Another sign reads, men to the left because women are always right. Woo-hoo! Another one says, this is, oh, well, no, it's Captain America. It shows Captain America, and then it shows Wonder Woman. Very creative. And then this one is mostly true. It shows women in a group gabbing, and all over the women's door it says blah, blah, blah. But it shows this group of women, obviously, for the women's bathroom, and they're just gabbing. And then on the right side shows just a man. Now, there's also one that is a man and a mermaid, Um, and this one is my favorite. The woman is a 1950s girl, and she says, stay seated for the entire performance. Then there's the, for the guys, it's a 1950s dressed guy, and it says, your aim will help. Stand closer. It's shorter than you think. (laughs) Very clever. Now, on a serious note, you guys, more than 6 million people in the U.S. drink and use water that's contaminated with deadly toxins. Now, these, there's life-threatening contaminations, man-made chemical, normally used to fight fire, insulate pipes, and stain-proof furniture, has been found in public water tanks across America. Now, the most at-risk states are in order, you guys, listen to this, California, New Jersey, North Carolina, Alabama, Florida, Pennsylvania, Ohio, New York, Georgia, Minnesota, Arizona, Massachusetts, and Illinois. Yeah, Massachusetts and California. Did you hear that? Big Bill. You know, this water, you don't know what they're putting in it. You really just never really know what's in that stuff. It's kind of scary. I don't know what they're going to do about it. But the Harvard University study published on Tuesday warns that the figures are likely woeful uh, underestimates, but the government, since the government data does not account for a third of the country, which is stupid, and therefore admits about 100 million people. Now, toxins found in the water supply are called, and excuse me because I have to say it slow, <laughs> polyfluoroalkyl. I don't know if that is a subname for fluoride because I know there's fluoride here in Nebraska, but they call them PSASs, PFS. Now, they've been used over the past 60 years in industrial and commercial products, ranging from food wrappers to clothing to pots and pans, and they've been linked with cancer, hormone disruption, high cholesterol, and obesity. Now, they're used industrial sites, military fire training sites, civilian airports where their firefighting foam is used, and at water water treatment plants. Seriously. Your tap water literally has visible particles. Ugh. Crazy. I am not used to this Windows 10. It's seriously going to take me way too long to get used to it. Okay, so, you know, we see things. There's all sorts of things you can see on Google Earth. And we've talked about some strange things, we've, we, you know, you could find on Google Earth. And we've talked about some strange just objects, unexplainable. Some we've explained what they really are. Well, well, you can you can actually see the White House. I don't understand this. Of all the things that you can see, you can see the White House on Google Maps. You can see Buckingham Palace, the Egyptian pyramids, the Great Wall of China, and even get a bird's eye view of the, okay, I don't know how to say this, Rongyong Hotel in Pyongyang at the click of a mouse. I don't know. 
what those words really are. So that's the best I got. Now, you can see anthrax. You can't see anthrax island. These are some of the places you can't see because when you, when you actually get in there and you blow it up and look, it's very pixelated. It's really hard to see. Um, anthrax island. I did not know that was actually an island. Um, and this is in Scotland. Now, close up, this is close to the Grenard Island. As you'll go on Google Maps, they've tested this chemical weapons on 60 sheep. And they all died within days. They showed it right here. Um, and, of course, they blurred out. But while it was decontaminated in 1990, it was shut for five decades before this and to this day remains a Google Earth mystery. Not to mention it's also a no-go zone, so you can't go there. Now, Roswell, New Mexico. Mexican? Mexico. New Mexico. Uh, blackout. They try and, If you try and zoom in to Roswell, and you'll have difficulty, and I tried, on Google Earth. Back then, there were many reports that an extraterrestrial spaceship had crashed, and the military were quickly accused of being involved in a cover-up after claiming that this incident involved was a weather balloon. So it's a mystery. I mean, you can't see it, so why are they hiding it? Garden of Gethsemane, it's in Jerusalem, Israel, and mentioned in both the, both the Gospel and Matthew and the Gospel of Mark, it is said to be the garden where Jesus spent the night before he was crucified. Don't know why we can't see it, but we can't. Oh, okay. Narcissus, Arctic Circle, Greenland. Now, the 1968 Thrill Air Base crash was one of the most shocking in history and was probably one of the most contaminated B-52 aircraft carrying four hydrogen bombs. It came down after a fire started and forced the crew to abandon the plane after Baffin Bay near Narcissus. So it's out of focus. You can't see it. Uh, clearly from the Google Earth posting, the nuclear weapon carrying bomber crashed onto sea ice in the North Star by causing, this is the bay, and it was causing onboard explosives to detonate, which in turn caused the nuclear material to rupture and disperse, making the entire site contaminated with plutonium. Now, Morora and Saigatofa, this is the French Polynesia South Pacific. And they're these are beautiful atolls, and they're located in the eastern edge of the French Peninsula, and they're about 620 miles away from Tahiti, the west coast of the U.S., Latin America, and the east coast of Australia. Well, 193 nuclear test experiments were conducted there from 1966 to 1996, and this included 137 underground they were tests which were lowered into the lagoons. Now, over the years, many studies have been done to identify the damage, and France has been urged to clean up the environmental damage, but they have not done that. So I don't know if they ever will. Volker Air Base, and this is in the Netherlands. Volker, Volker is one site that's been digitally obscured from viewable satellite map services, and according to reports, the site was outed by WikiLeaks as having nuclear weapons on site. And, you know, while it's Quite often used for air shows and by the Dutch Royal Air Force, its presence is somewhat somewhat controversial. And then the last one that we've noticed that we can't see is Medina Hejaz, and this is in Saudi Arabia. It's really pretty there, really, really pretty. Non-Muslims are forbidden from going inside the sacred core of Medina, but they're also but they are welcome in the city. So Crash, are we not on? Crash? Are you saying crash to me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Oh, 
You crashed? Oh, sorry. So there's some other interesting things we have to share. Now, since I've gotten Windows 10, it's it's been kind of hard to get used to this. So please be very, very patient with me. Okay. i got to move stuff around because I couldn't get my... Oh, I guess I'm doing this story. Okay, so... <laughs> This story is crazy. The 10,000 calorie food challenge. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. But it's so spicy that the chef wears a gas mask. This is no joke. A fearless spicy food lover with a monster appetite to become the first person to successfully conquer the world's hottest 10,000 calorie burger challenge. 10,000 calories. I can hardly consume. Like, I think the most calories I consume in a day is probably 800 Maybe a thousand on a bad day. I'm just not a really big eater. But Rob Radcliffe, 36, spent 29 minutes and 36 seconds devouring this 18-inch tall burger topped with the world's hottest chilies. So hot he had to sign a waiver in case it made him ill. After polishing it off and then ate it, he ate a pound of chips. I don't know how this guy didn't explode. And it was topped with red hot chili, kung corn, and the Carolina Reaper, the world's hottest chili pepper. How does this guy have a stomach intact? Seriously. Rob realizes that the scale of his undertaking, he said it wasn't easy, and I'd like to think that I've got a big appetite, but this was something else. Can you imagine? Oh, geez. Makes my stomach turn just thinking about it. So there's this guy who, he's a 25-year-old, he thinks he's a vampire. He says he is a vampire. He drinks blood and sleeps in a coffin. Says he wants to be treated like everybody else. Darkness Vlad Tempest, who changed his name to Deedpool, says he's bullied for his alternative lifestyle. Now, he says he's drunk cows and pigs' blood as well as human blood. The 25-year-old who changed his name says that garlic doesn't affect him and he can happily walk around in the sunlight. But he doesn't want he doesn't want to be treated different. But he's he's drinking people. He's even drinking human blood. But yet he wants to be treated the same. We don't treat people the same that drink human blood. Thank you very much. We tried to find him and contact him, but I didn't see any contact information. So this lady, this lady kills me. She says this woman claims that she was aggressively probed by after she was abducted by aliens, and not just one time. Let me tell you this. Oh. Her over the years, she was about six years old. Now, the life coach from Idaho, she describes meeting both evil and friendly extraterrestrials and wants to encourage others with similar experiences to talk about it. She said, I remember my first experience that the alien just came through the wall. She describes her experiences as both friendly and evil aliens and somehow ended up being able to go through the wall with them. She said she was surrounded at age five or six at the time the first alien abduction. She said that her experience was, was sometimes aggressive and she'd be in the ship like physically and she'd be feel metalish physically and solid and she felt like she had a cool surface. Lisa's sketch, she drew a sketch of it, the alien coming onto her bedroom at night, and she believes she had contact with evil beings from a government project known as MyLab. And as well as visits from other higher beings she considers to be 
like family members. Very strange. I don't know what to think about this. You guys are going to tell me what you think about this. But she also said that there was emotional, no emotional connection, and they were just like very intrigued with her genitals. I don't understand why they would be, but she wants to something to be done and people to speak out. So if you have any, please help this girl out because she needs the belt. Okay, so this one, a boyfriend of a woman, and this is this is a serious topic. Um, even though it, it, this will probably excite the guys, but a boyfriend of a woman with two vaginas reveals about their sex life. Now, a lot of people believe, or they wouldn't really take kindly to their other half divulging in their sex life. You know, most people, you know, it's pretty private. And especially with strangers, you know. But the, this one couple has let us know. They've answered questions. So if you want to know what it's like to have sex with someone with two vaginas, listen, tune in. Listen, listen closely. Okay, my girlfriend has two vaginas is what they said. Although it seems twice the fun, open themselves, they open up their self up to explicit chat with questions. So if you're not 18, get out. Now, some of the questions were, so what were their first thoughts when you found out? And he said, well, she explained, well, before we started dating, she mentioned she had two of something that most girls don't have. And a couple had sex after a month of dating. After a couple of minutes of guessing, I finally figured it out. It was interesting. And then the question got a little more intense with one user asking, does sex feel different? Which they answered, yes, but then again, all vaginas are different. Is there something unusual about your sex life? One thing he did point out was that other people's confusion over the female anatomy, helpfully clarifying. And he goes through exactly what it looks like. Like... Would you prefer two vaginas over four boobs, someone asked. In case you're wondering, things like things in pairs, so that would be two vaginas, two boobs. Um, so they're answering it very, very calmly and maturely. And they're both having fun. So, I mean, that's awesome. She says it's, they both enjoy it. They don't have any issues. So that's all really the, the answers they give us, I guess. They just add a lot of humor to their answers. And they said, we're both just trying to have a little fun. And she's not referring to him. She's referring to both of her vaginas. Okay. So when we come back, we're going to talk about alcohol. Why, what else would we talk about? Well, let's talk about booze on the Kaylicious show. We have some facts about alcohol. And we also have some things, some good things that people do when they're intoxicated. It's not all bad.
Yeah. <laughs> that was a little after seven. A little throwback song for you. Classic. It's oldie but a goodie. But now I have a question. I wonder. No, you didn't have many questions in that in that vagina story. But I wonder if she menstruates twice. <laughs> that would suck. That would suck a lot. Like double the tampons. Hello. Not cool. So let's get back to the alcohol. Back to the stop. Talk, talk, stop talking about vagina, guys. You perv. Okay, so Iceland, whose alcohol consumption has increased 35% between 1992 and 2012, has official holiday on the 1st of March known as Beer Day. Woo! I'd be there. And the history behind the date symbolizes such more than just simply becoming intoxicated. It all began in 1915 when prohibitation went into effect in Iceland, and a short time after, Spain threatened that if Iceland didn't begin importing Spanish wines once again, then Spain would stop all importation of salted cod, which would be a major blow to Iceland's economy. So Iceland complied, and in 1921, the ban of red Spanish and Portuguese wines were lifted. The beer was still prohibited until March of 1989, when Iceland declared that people should legally buy beer again. And on that date, people flocked on the streets in celebration and have continued to do so ever since. Pretty cool, right? Now, it's really cool. I always like to talk to people all over the world to find out what the legal age is their country to drink. Well, that brings us to the next part. The drinking age in the United States <clears throat> has varied between 18 to current state of 21. I don't ever remember it being 18 or hear of it being 18, but such an age would be absurd in 10% of the world, given that a total of 19 countries have no minimum drinking age at all, and such as uh, Sierra Leone, and Cambodia. Unfortunately, and oh, I can't pronounce some of these countries, <laughs> Anatuga, Barbuda, and Central African Republic are a little stricter when it comes to alcohol consumption. Okay, they're stricter. And their ages are between 10 and 15 years old, but that's stricter. I think we're much stricter. Thank you. Now, no laws are more strict than the 16 countries where alcohol is illegal to consume at any age, such as Afghanistan, Somalia, Pakistan, Iran, whose ban on alcohol was instituted after 1979 revolution, displayed how serious a criminal offense drinking was in 2012 when two men were sentenced to death for drinking alcohol. Oh my gosh, that's awful. I would die. <laughs> no, you're funny. Uh, that's insane. Seriously, death? The men had two prior convictions for which they received 80 lashes for. It's crazy. Um, eight, uh, this is eight breakfasts of champions. Now, most of us are familiar with the oh-so-delicious mimosa, a champagne and orange juice concoction that's forever turned drinking into sunrise into an acceptable and classy experience. Now, on the other hand, some countries have taken the tradition of morning boozing to a whole new level. The Black Isle Brewery in Scotland has released Cold Turkey. It's a rich beer marketed for morning drinkers, that has all the multi-taste of a multi-green cereal. <laughs> Can you imagine? Although the alcohol content is just 2.8%, many in Scotland are concerned that the move will promote alcoholism in a country that's the eighth highest alcohol consumption in the world. Now, at the other end of the scale, a 38% Danish liquor eye-opener, Gamel Dansk. It's described as being similar to Jägermeister. Gamel Dansk is traditionally drunk at breakfast, straight up at a room at room temperature. And in fact, many people in Denmark prefer to have a small glass along with, you know, along with their coffee. And then there's the famous Bulgarian breakfast. 
In Bavaria, a German federal state in the southeast of the country, many people take the edge off in the morning by enjoying a cold, tall beer. And in fact, Bavarians even have a word for it. shopping, which means drinking alcohol before noon. <laughs> kind of cool. I love beer, especially when it's hot out. Now, Americans have never been shy when it comes to indulging in an occasional drink or two, and perhaps it dates back to colonial times. And when Americans drank more alcohol than at any other time in history. And in fact, the average American drank about eight ounces of alcohol a day. It was typical for people to drink beer or cider for breakfast. And even children boozed in colonial America. Even if I lived in a country, I wouldn't let my kids drink like that. Okay, so during this time, waterways in Europe were polluted, causing many to become gravely, even fatally ill. For this reason, they substituted alcohol for water, and the tradition carried over to the New World. Whiskey was often given to cure laryngitis, colic. Hot brandy was taken for cholera, cholera, and even a shot of liquor was essential for pregnant women to ease their discomfort. Now, founding father John Adams began his mornings with a draft of hard cider, and John Hancock was known to smuggle wine. And in fact, more than 100 years prior in 19, or 1622, the Virginia Company of London wrote Governor Francis Wyatt, complaining that the colony was being hurt by colonists' drinking habits. However, these concerns clearly fell deaf in the ears, and it's continued. So alcoholic animals, I don't know if you've heard of this, kind of sad. But the pintailed trench trues of Malaysia are said to have the world's highest alcohol tolerance. So maybe that's what I am, because I can drink. Well, we don't know. Fruit bats, as well as slow lorists, are not shy when it comes to indulging, eagerly consuming fermented fruits and nectar from plants and flower buds. One of the most interesting cases is that the, oh gosh, they have to use big word. Rasus, <laughs> Macus, I think that's how you say it, who have the tendency to drink until they fall down or pass out. And the study also showed that the monkeys who drank the most often lived alone and drank at the end of the day, a pattern similar to that of humans. <laughs> oh, sad. Velvet monkeys, sometimes referred to as green monkeys, have become accustomed to the ethanol in the fermented sugar cane, which can be found throughout the Caribbean. Interestingly enough, though, the research also showed that the younger monkeys drank more alcohol than the adult monkeys. Crazy. Well, the list continues from butterflies to drink beer to booster spermophores and the male fruit flies that turn to booze after being sexually rejected. <laughs> That's what I do when I'm sexually rejected. It turn to booze. Genetic makeup. Studies have indicated that alcoholism is influenced by both environmental and genetic factors. One particular group with a historically high rate of alcoholism in Native, is Native Americans. Uh, there are more factors that play into alcoholism, such as one's environment, but whatever the case may be, the Native Americans as a group have the highest alcohol-related deaths of all groups in the U.S., and therefore you know, research is crucial to understanding and helping those. So, Uganda's, oh boy, over a three-week period in 2010, more than 100 people in Uganda died after drinking illegal homemade banana gin, and it was laced with menthol. Before dying, those affected experienced blindness and suffered kidney and liver failure. Hundreds of households were settled, searched, excuse me, in the days following these deaths. Well, Wargandia, as it's called the Uganda, is made from bananas, millet, or sugarcane, and is sold for one-sixth of the price of leading regulated alcohol. And unfortunately, the government of Uganda made it illegal to produce unregulated wagaji. 
they should drink. They should never drink the Indians. <laughs> now, the law quickly proven would be in- ineffective. For starters, the illegal production of Wargadi carries a fine of only $1.50, and politicians refuse to crack down on the rogue producers, believing that it would cripple many household incomes. So alcohol and pregnancy, now, when I was pregnant, I drank just a glass of wine, maybe, gosh, once a month, because I just didn't feel right doing it. But the the debate is whether to not, whether to or to not uh, drink a glass of wine a day, because that's what they say you can do. But it's found that women who drink one glass of wine per week had children with greater behavioral and emotional well-being opposed to mothers who refrained from drinking. I don't know how true that is. You guys have to let me know what you think about that. There are many doctors who find that occasional glass of wine is harmless for the unborn child. So uh, usually most give the okay for that. Alcohol sobering effects. I've never heard of that. But we all know how detrimental alcohol abuse can be. And medically speaking, we tend to think of liver cirrhosis when we talk about alcoholism. But the fact is cirrhosis is just one of the many medical ailments attributed to alcohol abuse. Like, for instance, alcoholism can lead to decrease in the body's ability to absorb vitamin B1, and this is thiamine, thus diminishing the stores we have in our body. Now, this deficiency causes a profound effect on our neurological system. I cannot say that word. And it's a condition known as the Wernicke-Karsoff syndrome. Now, this neurological disease has a range of physical abnormalities, including the ability to coordinate voluntary movements like standing, or walking, as well as ocular impairments that like double vision and involuntary eye movements. Now, the most life-threatening and common ailment seen in chronic alcohol abuse is congestive heart failure, and that's due to dilated cardiomyopathy. So that's, you just have to be careful when you drink, especially if it's in, in the family. Now, between December 25th and, and 27th, the city of New York saw 31 alcohol-related deaths Countless others desperately ill. What was originally speculated as your typical alcohol poisoning turned into be far more disturbing, given the deaths that were the courtesy of the U.S. government. Yeah, crazy, right? So when prohibition took effect in 1920, law enforcement began denaturing industrial alcohol by adding toxic chemicals. And this plan was conducted with the hopes of deterring people from repurifying the liquid so that it could be consumed. And as time passed and the speakacies and underground bars flourished, the anti-drinking forces in the government developed a new denaturing process that would make industrial-grade alcohol twice as poisonous. Time magazine noted in 1927 article that three of the ordinary drinks of this concoction created by the government would cause blindness. Crazy. So the government officials stated that the individuals who consumed the alcohol did their own did this at their own free will, and that the act was therefore nothing short of a deliberate suicide. The government insisted that they held no responsibility. Prohibition came to an end five years later, and by that time, the actions of the U.S. government had claimed the lives of at least ten thousand people. Isn't that crazy? I just I can't I can't get over it. It's crazy. So on a positive note, ten people who do good things, you know, while intoxicated, Jules. Gox, I think is how you say it. And this was in in 1913. French racer Jules Gox became the first European to win the Indianapolis 500. The following year, the race organizers organizers instituted a ban on drinking alcohol while driving. <laughs> wow, it took them this long to figure it out. That's because Gox 
according to the racing legend, drank six bottles of champagne on his way to victory. Now, the story changed over the years, and the version best remembered says that he had a bottle of champagne at each pit stop. But the modern historians believe that the figure to be exaggerated and that they claim Gox only had four or five bottles of champagne only, but geez, it's crazy. I don't know how that's doing good, but apparently he won. So John Pemberton. Now before John invented Coca-Cola, yep. John Pemberton invented Coca-Cola. We're just learning things today. Uh, He fought in the U S civil war as a Confederate soldier, and he developed a morphine habit during the war to cope with his various injuries and struggled with it for the rest of his life. Pemberton also used his pharmaceutical experience to develop a toxic that might cure his addiction. Now, the result was his French wine cocoa. It was an alcoholic drink that was that you mix wine with cocaine and koala nuts. I don't know if you've heard that koala nuts. Primarily based on an earlier Parisian concoction named Vin Marani. And as common as that time, the Parisian promoted this drink as a pancia that could cure a wide range of ailments. But it's he took out the wine and kept the cocaine and created his first batch of Coca-Cola in 1886. And he never overcame his morphine addiction, though, and his financial troubles soon forced him to sell Coke. That's bad. What? This is supposed to be good stuff. I don't know what's happening. I guess some good did come out of that. Sons of Liberty. Now, when the Sons of Liberty dressed up as a Native American... They threw tea into Boston Harbor, and this was in 1773, and they contributed to one of the most important chapters of U.S. history. Prior to this event, some of the participants gathered the house of journalist Benjamin Ed to discuss the next actions. Key to that meeting was a bowl filled with strong punch, which sustained the conspirators as they founded their plans. This bowl is now in possession of the Massachusetts Historical Society, as well as the correspondence from Benjamin Ed's son, Peter. He recalls his duty on the day he is to make more punch and keep the bowl filled at all times. And he had to do this several times throughout the afternoon during the actual Boston Tea Party. The several participants had to stop because they fell ill from too much rum. I didn't know there was such a thing as too much rum. Alexander Dumas, 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 <laughs> we don't know how to say it. Between 1844 and 1849, Alexander was part of the Hashish Club it's an exclusive Parisian group where these members enjoyed indulging in various drugs, uh, particularly hashish. Hashish? <laughs> it had only recently been introduced to France after Napoleon's campaign in Egypt. Now, many club members wrote about their experiences, experiences with hashish, but it was Alexander who was arguably, arguably, I can't say that word, arguably the most productive during that time. And he wrote his best-known novels between 1844 and 1846. So that's obviously where that came from. So good stuff happens when you drink. Duly noted. Okay, so... Let's see. Oh, Pokemon Go. Who plays that? We talk about that on the show almost every week because there's always something new. But in the news that should surprise no one, Pokemon Go has broken the record for highest earning mobile game launch month by month by month in a huge way. I mean, it's huge. Now, they're saying that the reports that the intensely popular mobile app set a new world record after sweeping up $200 million in worldwide net revenue from the first month and one day alone. 
To capture the previous record holder was Clash Royal, which made around $120 million in the same amount of time. Behind this is Candy Crush Saga. It made $25 million. It's crazy. We have lots of free-to-play. See, that's how you get people sucked in, is you get that free-to-play stuff and then extras that you need. You have to pay for it, you know? It's just how it is. If you guys are on my Facebook, did you see... <laughs> Virgins play Pokemon Go? You guys should see that video I posted on Facebook today because even if you don't like Pokemon Go, it's pretty entertaining. But this, they're showing this kid walking into windows and walls and falling over stuff. It's pretty pretty hysterical. Now, I've seen a video myself. I didn't post it, but I've seen it of people stopping. I may have saved it. I'll see if I saved it, and I'll share it with you. They they, they found, I can't remember where this is at, but they were in the middle of the street, and there's all this traffic. You would have swear there was a riot. And no, it was like a rare Pokemon was found, and then this guy is just like, are you serious? Nobody was pushing or hitting. It wasn't violent, but it was just crowded. People stopped in the middle of the road just trying to run over each other to get, you know, to the Pokemon. It's crazy. So we're going to take a break, and then I'm going to tell you about a couple of new guests we have coming on. We have three guests actually coming on the Kalisha's show, and we are excited to share this with you. Right now, we have Sign Your Name by Terrence Trent Darby. Oh, my. 
I just love him, you know. He still sings like that, and he's still out there, which is awesome. Okay, so we have three guests coming. I don't know the official date on the one, but I will tell you next week we have Roger Ortega back on the show. And if you guys were here for that interview, you will know he's a really nice guy, and he's really talented, and he's huge. He's just blowing up, and, you know, he's come a long way since we talked to him. I want to say it. I want to say that I talked to him two years ago. I have to look back on that to be sure, but really awesome guy. So on the 16th, we have Roger Ortega. On the 30th, we have another reoccurring guest, Andrea Godin. So we are, we're excited. She's, she's blowing up. She's been on Canada top charts. She tours everywhere. Even Roger tours everywhere. So we're really excited to have them. And another, another guest reached out to me today. She wants to come back to the show, and I will be emailing her, and I will get you an official date. But we have Alana Miles coming back to the Kalish's show. She's actually become one of my good friends. I love her. She's, she's amazing. She's been through a lot, you know. She's, she's really strong and really sweet, but she's just been through a lot. And, and uh, we're going to hear her most intimate thoughts on the next Kalish's show, and she's only doing this exclusively for us. So I am really ecstatic. I am really happy. We have new guests out there. We have Big Bill out there, and we have Joe Snow. They're new Anyone on Facebook that's listening and not in the chat, thank you for tuning in. We are going to end this with a Roger Otega song. This song is titled When I Am With You. Let's make sure that it's... All right. Here we go. This is Roger Otega with When I'm With You. We'll see you guys next week on the Kalisha Show. Mwah. My bad. (laughs) Touchy, touchy. Thank you.
Roger Otega on the K-Lizzie Show, August 16th. Don't miss it. Bye, guys.